this episode of the NLN podcast, Nursing Edge Unscripted, The Surface Track. And thank you for joining us. This episode is entitled, All Nurses Are Leaders, Socializing Nursing Students to Their Value and Impact, where we will discuss how nurse educators can help prepare future nurses to understand their value and impact on healthcare. And more importantly, how nurses can leverage this value to make important change especially around the quality and safety for patients in all settings. And to help us today, we have two very special people. First, we have a returning guest, Dr. Salvatore Tagliarini, who is an author of several books, and one of which is Roving Leadership, Creating Choices for Meaning and Inspiration. You may also get to know Sal as a captivating storyteller, writer, business consultant, art dealer, and former Catholic priest. Sal has over 25 years of experience guiding organizations in achieving transformational and positive culture changes and has done very special work with the National League for Nursing in developing nurse educators as leaders. And new to the podcast today is Dr. Elaine Tagliarini, past dean and current professor at the MGH Institute for Health Professions in Boston, Massachusetts. Previous to her appointment as Dean, Elaine taught leadership courses and served as an advisor for students in the Doctor of Nursing Practice program. Elaine was a chief program officer here at the NLN from 2010 through 2017 and continues to serve as a consultant. All right, well, welcome, Elaine and Sal. We are very um, happy to have you, Sal, for you to be returning. And then, Elaine, uh, you being a new guest. And I just wanted to start by saying um, how very special you both are to us. And I also think you are very special to one another. So I will say, though, um, to get us started for both of you, Sal, I so appreciate all of the wisdom and insight you have always provided over the years in a lot of the leadership courses and experiences through the NLN and the contributions you've made to this podcast to our listeners has been a huge impact. And Elaine, I so appreciate all of the mentorship and guidance you have given, particularly for me in my career, especially as I was starting out in the NLN Jonas Scholars Program. And so I think it's just an honor to have you both here together and the synergy of both of your wisdoms and insight to have this conversation. So thank you. Thank you. I just just go ahead and kick it off and start with when we're thinking about the value of nurses, we talk about the value of nurses a lot. We emphasize it. We try to get it out there and, and have it be seen and appreciated. At the same time, I also think we struggle or have opportunities to grow in helping others see their value and live out their value as a nurse. And so I'm curious to hear from your perspective, how can we help others, other nurses lean in to really embracing and seeing their value and living that out? It's so true, Rachel, thank you. You know, really Sal and I have spent a lifetime really talking to others about their value, about valuing themselves as individuals and then valuing themselves as leaders in the context of wherever they work and their professional lives. And value and worth and worthiness are really key. One thing I think, Sal, you might agree that we've learned in this journey is that when you value yourself, then you are free to make a choice to value yourself as leader. 
Wouldn't you say so? Yeah, I think that's a really good observation. The, the key for me is that 5% of what we are aware of is not enough. Underneath the surface, the 95% is really where we need to tap in. And that's the, to allow nurses to create universally a story about nursing. But on an individual basis, we need to help people understand their story has value. See, if you don't believe you have value, you will never assume the position of leader. You'll find all of those things underneath the surface, like I'm not bright enough, I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm in a bad place in the organization, whatever. Once you see the value that you have as a person, and then you put on it a tremendous opportunity to affect people's lives as a nurse, you are a dynamite powerhouse. It's all about, and I know Sal, and I talk about this, authorizing yourself to see yourself as a valued person, as a person with skills, and as a person who is a leader. And it's a choice. Choice is really freedom. Yeah. And oftentimes I hear my colleagues say, I'm just stuck. I just don't really have any choice in this role that I'm in. There's nowhere for me to go. And the response or the dialogue that really needs to emerge from that is, well, you've made a choice to stay. Rather than phrasing it as, I have no choice, I'm stuck. Better to say, I've chosen to stay in this position. And then back to all you and Michelle teach about context and content. In that context, what are my choices to make this to authorize myself, to value my role here and to be a leader. So choice is freedom and we always choose or have a choice. Yeah, and one of the ways you get at that is all decisions come from feelings. And so when somebody says, I'm stuck, that is somehow related to a thought. So what we have to say to them is, okay, if you weren't stuck, what would be the next thing you would do? See, because if you change the thought, you change the feeling. When you change the feeling, you create new opportunities for decisions and decisions are really where outcomes occur. So a lot of times really, you know, and you can hear it in people's talk. I'm not a leader, you know, nobody listens to me. I'm shy, you know, I didn't go to the right school, whatever. All of that stuff underneath the surface creates thoughts. And the first question that I always ask somebody is, is that thought true? And they look at me like, well, no, no, is it true? Most times, by the way, it's not. And the second thought is, is it helpful? And it's not helpful. So you change the thought, you start to create new feelings. And I always tell people, if I could change your feelings, they'd have candles burning in front of me. Changing feelings is not easy, but changing thoughts is something that's possible which is really what we as teachers in nurses with our learners need to do is think about changing their thoughts. You know, some, sometimes we teach leadership as all these theories, which is fine. Everybody needs to understand the theories, but to apply the theories, it's really getting to the question of what is your thinking about it? Sal and I do teach the DNP students who are nurse practitioners we take them through their leadership journey. 
And it's been one of the most rewarding and profound experiences I have had. Because to a person almost, they enter saying, because they're, they're also in the program with nurses who have functional roles like a dean or a manager or a supervisor or a chief nurse officer. And so they defer to them as they are the leaders and I am a, a practitioner as almost it's an either or or differentiating. And then you say to them, as Sal says, well, tell me about what you do. And they speak to one leadership role after another. So when the functional role doesn't match, we sometimes make that distinction because as nurses, we're very good at dualism, right, wrong, good, bad. I'm good, I'm not good. I'm, I can meet 100% of the job description or I can only meet 85% so I'm not qualified. All those things are either or. And we need to look at more gray areas and say, let me think about how I have led in my own individual world mm -hmm. in my own practice. And then back to what we said before, I authorize myself to believe in myself and have value as a person and as a leader. That's a good point, Elaine. In the DNP program, I always say to them, this is not your first rodeo. They act as if they just got off a bus and came into the DNP program. Let's look at what are you most proud of? What were your accomplishments? What were the things... Because once you start to get to that, then you see that leadership is not necessarily just at the top. There is no one in a functional nurse position that does not have the opportunity to lead, not change the strategic plan of the whole organization, but somehow at her level, his level, there are opportunities to lead. And once they sense that, then they, they start to see I don't need to have this whole organization change for me to have value. I make a difference. And people who feel that they make a difference, life is so much better for them. It's better for the people they work with. And in this case, it's better for the patients or whoever they are serving. You know, this paradigm of you can lead from where you are, I think is so important. And I can see how tightly connected it is with being able to see one's value. Because I can imagine if you can see one's value and what you bring to the table or what one brings to the table, then that is empowering to be able to self-authorize and lead from where you are. The other thing that you said that really resonated with me is this connection between changing your thinking and changing the feeling. Michelle and I talk a lot about amygdala hijacking and how it can be paralyzing. And um, I think that that can be um, something that we perhaps could talk more about with our students in their role of being able to self-authorize and lead from where they are, because I think that those thoughts that control feelings and can lead to some amygdala hijacking can really interfere with this self-authorization. The, the other sometimes, thing that- Sometimes it, it, it helps if you have them repeat the negatives. I do this a lot in coaching. Well, somebody would say, well, I really don't have any opportunity to lead. And I'd say, could you say that again? What, what do you mean? Would you please just repeat that? Because in repeating that, you now have it. Elaine made a great point before. You have a choice. You can own that, that you have no power, or you can start to say, is that really true? Because a lot of times it comes from discomfort. I don't want to take a risk. It's easier for me to sit back and say, I have no power. Once you sense that you have some power, life changes. I think 
That's such a good point, Rachel, really. And Sal, when you were just talking now about choice and opportunity, that's where people, I sometimes say to the students, <clears throat> I didn't wake up one day and say, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was 24 or 25, I think I'll be the chief program officer of the NLN and a dean. I never, we don't do that. But what, what we do along the way is choose the opportunities that move you a bit out of your comfort level, that move you to a place that you're not 100% sure you're qualified for. That's an imposter syndrome that I've lived my entire life of acting like I really do know what's happening, but not necessarily feeling I'm totally secure in all of it. But if we don't take those leaps, opportunities for leadership aren't bestowed on you necessarily, right? You choose opportunities that may lead you in that direction. And taking that first leap and saying to yourself, I have value, I can do this. I sometimes ask the students to break down the word responsibility. It's response and ability. So they respond in the context of their abilities to a new opportunity. And that's what leads to meaning and progression and a sense that I have accomplished a great deal. You know, I, I think too, there's this whole question of comfort zone. We are always saying to people, you should be more confident. You should get out of your comfort zone. <laughs> that sounds really good, but it's not really helpful. What's helpful is let's go back into your comfort zone and find out where you were really good. What were your skills? What did you feel? Gee, that was an excellent thing that I could. Everybody has those. If you can sense those, there's the more possibility you will take a risk and get out of your comfort zone. But to begin with, and the other thing I think is grossly overrated is confidence. You know, we say you have to be more confident, Rachel. Well, that sounds nice. Courage is a heck of a lot more important than confidence. If you waited for uh, confidence, most of us would be immobilized. You know, Elaine made a great point before. You know, all these new jobs that come, you don't begin with 100% confidence, but there's certainly a, a degree of courage, to, you know, to face the unknown, to take the risk, to go forward. So I think, you know, we should start more encouraging courage than confidence. And I know my comment here is going to get us down a rabbit hole, so I don't mean to do that, but it makes me think when I hear us talk about courage, it brings me back to the culture and the environment and the space we create, not only for our learners, but for our colleagues. So that leaning into that discomfort and embracing courage is something that's not so scary. And I think it's important as a leader to speak about your vulnerability and to recognize the vulnerability or the state where people are at at that time. You know, I really flow from a frame of servant leadership that, that as followers grow, as my commitment to followers and to those around me, that's how we grow and become a resilient community. It's not my power that makes that happen. It's the collective work of the community that brings that to fruition. And so learning that and in that context is to say, often, I don't know all the answers to this. I am bringing this to you, but by the end of the next two hours, we're going to come up with some sort of a solution. I think sometimes we can dialogue 
forever, right, in that context, but that we are all vulnerable in the context of leadership. And yet, and yet some of us have taken the opportunity to move forward in that space, as Rachel says. Yeah, that, that's how I came to the concept of roving leadership. Right. You know, I would watch all of the organizations that I would consult, and I would see leadership move. Jane had it, then Harry had it, then Mildred had it, then Frank had it. This concept that leadership is, is owned by position, I think, has to be totally destroyed. We all know that at the end of the day, somebody has to make heavy decisions. Right. But the process of leadership, everybody, you know, if you say, who's the most skilled person to talk about this now? It may not be the queen or the king. It may be somebody who's closer to the action. We need to cultivate that whole idea that everybody has some skill. And at the point of time of decision-making, their input as roving may be really, really helpful. You know, sometimes I'll speak for, for myself, but I think this might resonate with people that believe, that maybe don't believe that they're leaders or don't see their leadership ability and their leadership ability is in their blind spot. And I think um, it's been very helpful for me to have people, to be surrounded by people that can hold up a mirror and say, you know, I see you, I'm seeing you do X, Y, and Z, and you're really making an important change or, you know, taking that leap and feeling that discomfort and moving yourself forward, even though you don't feel ready, I see that you're ready. And so I think about the importance of mentorship and, and having surrounding ourselves with people that can do that for us. For some of us that I think struggle or don't see our leadership, like you said, Elaine, it really resonated me with me when you said, I didn't, you know, at 23 years old, didn't come out of nursing school and think, oh, I'm going to be, you know, working at the NLN or, you know, being a dean or anything like that. You know, we just, you, you don't see it, you don't feel it. But it, it was even there probably at, at, at 16, 18, 23, 42, you know, it's there. We just need people to help show us that it's there, I think. You are so right about mentorship. I was just, you know, when we, as Sal and I have talked about taking that leap, taking, making a choice to embrace opportunity, even if you don't feel whole. And then along that path, building mentors, not people always say, don't they, Michelle, a mentor, you need a lot of mentors because some mentors can help you in certain ways, but to embrace them, to ask them to help you, to, to guide you on that leadership journey, we can only learn from each other along the way. And mentorship and guidance is just uh, ab absolute key as we move forward. I mean, I always say, people say, well, that was pretty good, Elaine. I say, well, I live with a good speechwriter. <laughs> so that's, there you go. So finding people along the way. Yeah, I, you know, the mentor, I've had phenomenal mentors. I mean, it's just incredible. And, and the thing that always impressed me about my mentors was they were always learners. They didn't sit there like, I have all this information. I'm just going to dole it out to you. There was always reciprocity. Some of them said, you know, I've learned from you, Sal, which was mind boggling that I could make a contribution to these people. So the other thing that I would really stress, and it's not always available, is coaching is a magnificent experience because you know, it's that whole idea, I said to somebody, we invest in a home, we invest in a car, but we don't invest in ourselves. 
organizations need to find ways, not only to, to provide mentors, but to find ways that people can coach. Because coaching, it doesn't just give you simple answers. It allows you to realize that within yourself, you have a tremendous ability to grow. Absolutely. You know, I, I'd like to um, shift gears a little bit and talk more specifically about what nurse educators can do to help teach and guide and coach and mentor nursing students to understand their value um, and meaning um, as they enter into the profession. And I think a lot of nursing program curricula have leadership and socialization content in their curricula. Um, but sometimes I feel like it operationalizes itself as more task management, time management, delegation, which are very important skill sets. Um, and I also think, though, that there are some skill sets that are a little bit more require more of this like mind, this thought, heart connection, a little bit more emotional intelligence, managing grief, whether it's within ourselves or within, you know, the families and patients we're taking care of. Um, managing or facilitating difficult conversations, some of these more challenging skill sets that I associate with leadership and socialization, um, I don't think are prioritized. I think maybe nurse educators have struggled to prioritize them um, or to really acknowledge them as an important part of early development in nursing education or nurses. So my question to you is what ideas can you share with nurse educators about how to teach these types of leadership and socialization skills that really can showcase value and meaning in nurses? You know, that is so true. We've all taken leadership courses where we've learned every theory about leadership, read three articles about them. And then the application piece, Michelle, is one that we leave the course without really understanding how this fits with me and how I see myself as a leader. It's hard to do sometimes in an undergraduate course with 50 to 60 people uh, which where the leadership courses are taught. The other aspect that, that I'll get back to is that we silo leadership oftentimes as if it's a separate content area that doesn't have implications for delegation and for management in, in other areas. So, you know, I come from a culture which is all team focused, the, the interprofessional team focus that the curricula that we generate and then across the learning environment. And teams look at value, they look at how teams function and they look at communication. And unless we teach how one communicates up, communicates to those who we delegate to, then the aspects of that are lost. And it can be done in a large group as we look at ways to use those kinds of skills. It worries me that we teach it as a siloed theory-based course rather than identifying how we fit in. I know the course that Sal's involved in starts with self. Yeah, that's a good point. I, the, I don't think numbers are the issue because I've, right. I've spoken to as, as many as 1,100 people. What you need is a process which personalizes it for the student though. For example, you can teach, and then uh, I always 
uh, say to people, you have two people that live in your head. There's a critic and there's a cheerleader. Mine is gloom and doom Sal and serene Sal. Okay. A lot of people never realize they have two people. They always think in terms of the critic. So you can teach things like what's going on in your head about leadership or about opportunity, about authorization. You can also teach things like, you know, thoughts create feelings. And so, you know, and they can keep a journal. There's a lot of ways you can get at this. Write down what thoughts right now or beliefs are hindering your way towards leadership. Okay? The other one is the concept of strategic planning. Most nurses are never going to radically change the organization, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't teach them how to strategically plan. My observation with Elaine through the years is I don't know of any group that is more impactful in our lives than nurses, but I will tell you, my initial reaction coming out of a corporate setting is that they are much too much into activities. And so they have 85 million activities and because they're wonderful people, they think if I do one more activity, it'll get better. And candidly, that's why they burn out because there's not enough strategy of how to change these activities. Into So I think a lot of that stuff can be, can be taught. You can teach visualization. What do you see yourself? Why do you see yourself as not being a leader? And what would it be like if you were a leader? See, we always focus on the problem. And one of the things that Elaine and I are really good at, the question is, what would it be like if you didn't have the problem? Now you've moved them. See, in all human behavior, one of the critical features is to break the cycle. We break the cycle by not feeding into, oh, poor you, you're a victim. You know, no, you have it. You just need to find it. Yeah. We have covered so much ground already. There's a lot more to cover. We want to be conscious of our time boundaries and just hit the pause button. We could talk a lot more and we will. The conversation will continue in our next episode of the NLN Nursing Edge Unscripted Surface Podcast. So until then, thank you so much, Sal and Elaine. And we're going to pick up our conversation next time. We hope you'll join us. Thank you for joining us on this episode of NLN Nursing Edge Unscripted Surface. We hope you join us next time. Until then, remember, whether your water is calm or choppy, stay connected, get vulnerable, and dare to go beneath the surface.